Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lost Christmas Podcast. Christmas is the theme, and on this podcast, I explore the ins and outs of the holiday. Here you'll find history, folklore, mythology, recipes, stories, and tales from across the globe, and so much more. My name is Jeff, and I absolutely love Christmas. I'm so glad that you're joining today. Each episode has a different topic or two, diving deeply or shallowly into it as I share what I learn about the history of Christmas. At the end of the episode, you'll hear a short summary of the story from The Lost Years of Santa Claus, a book that explores the missing chapters in the life of the person we know as Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, and by many other names. Each story is broken into two or three parts, so be sure to listen to each episode to hear the whole story. Hello, everybody, and we're going to kick off this episode with another movie, TV show, and book recommendation. But first, I want to say again how happy I am. I have been invited and joined the Christmas Podcast Network. It's a group of great people with great podcasts. At the end of the episode, I'll give you a couple of more podcasts to check out. There are so many great ones. I highly, highly recommend these. And again, I'm very happy to to be a part of this and... Um, yeah, without further ado, uh, so for our Christmas movie this week, I'm going to give you a movie that a lot of people don't like, um, or didn't like at least initially when it came out in 2001. It is a Nicolas Cage film. Now, if that immediately precludes this from your watching, that's totally fine. But this is called The Family Man, and it's, in my opinion, it's kind of a retelling of It's a Wonderful Life. Um, there's, there's a couple of movies like this. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I, I recommend checking it out. It's called The Family Man 2001, Nicholas Cage. Uh, it's streaming on a couple of different places, so you can find it for sure. Definitely definitely worth a watch, in my opinion. Uh, TV show, I'm going to go back to 1956, and we're going to go Alfred Hitchcock. I know this is probably more fitting with the Mysteries episode, but I, I really recommend this one. Alfred Hitchcock presents Back for Christmas. Now, interestingly, I believe this episode aired in March of 1956, but the, the story is most certainly a Christmassy mystery theme. Um, a man thinks that he gets away with murder, and leaves the country he leaves england to head to america and when he's in america he gets a notification that um he's basically going to be found out and it's about what happens then so highly highly recommend this if you like alfred hitchcock if you like the suspense and the thriller definitely for you it is for me obviously i've had an entire episode about christmas mysteries and how much i love them so definitely go check that out. And then lastly, for our book this week, I have another fantasy book for those of you that are uh, that are wanting one. And this one is Nicholas St. North and the Battle of the Nightmare King. So for those of you that have seen Rise of the Guardians, uh, I don't really consider this a Christmas movie, though it does have Santa Claus. Uh, my wife loves it. She's already seen it this Christmas season so far. This is the first book in that series of, of stories that uh, eventually led up to the movie about Jack Frost. I highly recommend this. It is a short read. It is a, a like a children's literature book. You could you could say it's more of like a young adult novel, um, and that would be totally fitting. It is excellent. I really really enjoyed this, and I think it adds so much more to the Jack Frost story, knowing where Santa Claus came from. So there you have it. Uh, without much further ado, let's talk Saint Nicholas. So, I think it's super important that we talk about St. Nicholas the person and how important the person of St. Nicholas 
was to both the church and to people and to the holiday that we have as Christmas now. And we're also going to talk about St. Nicholas Day and kind of some traditions around that. There's a whole, whole lot. Um, and yeah, and let's, let's we'll, we'll wrap this. And I, I think it's really interesting to talk about St. Nicholas because a lot of people give the entire Santa Claus character the credit from St. Nicholas of Myra. So St. Nicholas of Myra was born in the year 280 AD, and he lived until about the year 343 AD. It is said that he died December 6th, 343 AD. So he was born to a supposedly well-to-do family, but lost both his parents at a young age, so he had a lot of money that he had inherited. He decided to use his inheritance to help the needy and the poor, and there's lots of stories that come out of his generosity. Um, we'll get into some of the stories of his generosity and some of the stories of um, wonderful things and miracles that he accomplished during his time. Um, but more back to like factual stories that we know about St. Nicholas. One, he was, during his life, he was exiled, he was imprisoned, he was persecuted and treated rather poorly by many, many people. There was a, a Roman emperor, I didn't write down the name which Roman emperor it was, but there was a major portion in, of, in his life where Christians were very persecuted in the Roman Empire, and he was, and the jails were so full that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't put in actual murderers and thieves and things because they had so many uh, Christian People, right so whether they were pastors or monks or what, whatever we want to call them um, priests bishops they were so full of these that they didn't have room for a lot of legitimate criminals so all of that said he was a man who never seemed to waver in his faith he was very strong and determined in what he believed and he was it, uh, those are like respectable qualities in my opinion he did a lot of great things for the church he has um so legend has it that when he was buried in myra um in his namesake cathedral church which is really cool in my opinion uh that a unique relic called manna is said to have formed on top of his grave and this liquid is said to have healing powers and the legend of this helped to grow devotion to the man and he eventually was named a saint over time um, the date of his death was December 6th, 343 AD, which we already said, and many places around the world celebrate this as St. Nicholas Day. Um, now, he's the patron saint of more causes than any other saint that we have. Um, just to name a few, he's the patron saint of Russia and Greece, two entire nations. Um, he's the patron saint of charitable fraternities and guilds, the patron saint of children, of travelers, sailors, unmarried girls, merchants, pawnbrokers of Freiburg, a city in Switzerland, and Moscow, and he's got countless churches named after him all over the globe. So very, very important figure in the history of Christianity, and uh, you know, a lot of the Santa Claus name, we can trace that back to Sinterklaas, which was Dutch and German pronunciation of St. Nicholas. It was a, a bastardization of, of the name and when brought to the United States um, the people who didn't speak those languages heard Santa Claus from Santa Claus and the name just took off. So we do know that I, I did an entire episode about who is Santa Claus and where we get a lot of the traditions that we have 
um, around Christmas time. And yes, many of those do come from St. Nicholas of Myra, but many do not. And I highly recommend you guys go back and, and check out that episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. The sound is definitely rough. It was my first ever episode that I recorded. I plan on doing a redux of that episode at some point. I will go back and um, re-record it and add in some more information that I've gathered over time. But I, I highly, highly recommend it. I think it's really important to, to kind of know the history. Um, so while we're still talking about St. Nicholas, let's talk about three pretty famous stories, in my opinion at least, of, of St. Nicholas, of some of the amazing things that he did. So the first one is non-magical, but... Um, when he was still relatively young, there was a man in his town who had three daughters, but the man didn't have enough for a dowry for any of the daughters, and so they were um, all of marrying age, but none of them could get married because he could, didn't have a dowry to give to the husband. Well, St. Nicholas couldn't just go and hand the man money because it would be an insult in many cultures, and in this one obviously. And so what he did is he decided allegedly to sneak in and place coins in the daughter's stockings how the story goes and to allow them to have a dowry super super interesting story it it lends itself to a lot of traditions that we have now there's lots of books that address this that talk about you know saint nicholas and how he how he gets into homes and how this tradition started so super cool story um next one is quite a bit darker um and there's two different versions that i've heard one is from france and so um, I'll go with the darker French one first, and then I'll go to the next one. So there's a story that um, three or four children were playing in the woods and were captured by a, a butcher, and um, the butcher did something awful and put the children in um, salt to cure. I'll let you guys fill in the gaps. Well, St. Nicholas found out about this and went to the butcher and confronted him and was able to bring the children back to life and send them back to their parents unharmed. Super interesting story. Another version is um, closer to Turkey and Myra, where St. Nicholas was from. Um, there's a story of several scholars, university scholars, who um, met uh, in their end at a at an inn with an unscrupulous innkeeper who did kind of the same thing and St. Nicholas showed up and confronted the innkeeper and was able to save the students and they went back and finished their studies and did these wonderful things. So this makes sense why St. Nicholas is, at least from the story, why he is the patron saint of travelers and of children, in my opinion. Um, I, I obviously take what you want these are these are stories these are tales i can't validate any truth to any of this i don't think anyone can it was so long ago it was nearly 2000 years ago but it really feeds into a lot of the mythos and the story behind saint nicholas um and then lastly there's a, what i found to be a really interesting story and this is so on saint nicholas day um pirates came into the city of myra and robbed the city and on their way out they grabbed a little boy to be their slave and translator as they pillaged through all these different areas and he was he was taken by the the pirates and on the following saint nicholas day his mother refused to celebrate but 
Um, and St. Nicholas, who was long dead at this point, had apparently heard a prayer and decided to go and rescue the boy. And so he showed up on the ship and grabbed the boy and flew back to the mother and delivered her son again. So on Saint, this is on St. Nicholas Day, so a year later, the boy was unharmed. It's an interesting story, and it shows you know, a protector nature of St. Nicholas. So beyond just generous, this was a person who looked out for other people, not just tried to give people things, but actually looked out for the good, goodness of other people. So really interesting stories, three kind of um, important different stories that we have that kind of shape the character and the, the person of St. Nicholas. Now, after all of that, we can talk about St. Nicholas Day, which is typically December 6th, so that's on our current calendar. On the old calendar, it was uh, December 19th, I believe, is when it was celebrated. Um, a lot of people celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas, or on St. Nicholas Eve, um, which is December 5th. And in some places, they do give gifts on this day. Um, a lot of times it's smaller gifts like um, like chocolates or treats or coins or, um, you know, a toy, something like that. Um, St. Nicholas is said to go home to home all across the world in lots of different places. And on that route, much like the character of Santa Claus, he has lots of companions depending on where he is um, in different places. So... We talked about many, many, many of these in the darker characters of Christmas, and but I'm going to go through a couple of them again. Um, we've got Connect Ruprecht, who carried around like a cudgel or a large stick and would swat kids if they were bad. You've got Krampus, who is the like Christmas demon personified. He's the most famous one uh, worldwide, in my opinion. Um, he's a kind of a cloven-footed devil goat person. Um, anyway. anyway. Uh, then there's Zwarte Peten, which is Black Peter, and we could get into a lot of this, but I've noticed that in several pictures recently, rather than um, having the face completely covered by soot, a lot of people just put smudges now, and I think that's a lot more sensitive, just, just in light of of how it appears to other people, um, the history of the character and being kind of beholden to St. Nicholas, it, it didn't look great, but Zwarten Pete is um, typically said to go up and down the chimney, um, so Black Peter, that's what it is. In other places, St. Nicholas has an angel and the devil, you can figure out what they do. Um, in some places, St. Nicholas is said to quiz young boys and girls on Bible verses or stories, and if they answer correctly, they get like a, an extra special treat. Um, but typically, children leave out a shoe or stockings, and those that have been good get a gift, and those that aren't are said to get a number of different things, depending on where you are. It could be a switch or a stick or coal, rocks, salt, or some are even uh, said to be taken away in a bag um, by either Connect Ruprecht or by Krampus, just depends on where you are. So um, so as I said, children leave out their shoes, uh, just whatever manner of shoe they have. Some, In some places they actually burn the shoes, they throw the shoes into the fireplace and burn them as a way of getting rid of all the, the past year's 
issues and problems and St. Nicholas is going to replace them. Um, some people place those things on a windowsill, a soccer shoe on a windowsill. Some place them at the foot of their bed, at the front door, uh, all manner of things. And essentially it's very similar to what we have for Christmas, really. So there are lots of very similar traditions that surround this holiday that kind of uh, give just different approaches to the exact same thing. So um, in some places they leave out, you know, hay and carrots for the for the the Santa Claus Saint Nicholas rides a horse, um, much like people leave celery and carrots for reindeer uh, on Christmas Eve, um, and others leave uh, peppermint speculas or Sinterklaas cake or ginger snaps. Basically, is kind of a very similar flavor profile to all of those, because um, those are those are wintry spices and warming and very available in all over Europe, basically. Um, you know, ginger, molasses-y, not really molasses, but the, that kind of flavor, that like warm sweetness. Anyway, um, another interesting fact is in some places, uh, unmarried women will get gifts from St. Nicholas as well, not just children. And there are certain ceremonies that are done in certain churches that are supposed to change a woman's luck and signal that she'll find a partner in the new year. So that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting and kind of like a, just also contributes to like the, the care that St. Nicholas has that he wants people to, to come together and be happy. So there you have it, guys. Uh, it's not a, the most comprehensive story. I didn't want to get into that. There are books and movies and TV shows and short series all about St. Nicholas, but I wanted to give you a little bit of information about the character of St. Nicholas, and as much as St. Nicholas did help shape the the person we know as Santa Claus, and uh, at least that's what we're told, and um, as much as St. Nicholas is super, super important to Christmas as a whole, um, he also has his own day, and I think it's really important that we show reverence for this really, really important character, not just at Christmas, but in all of Christianity and the the whole greater goodness of our society as a whole. So um, with that, we will now continue on to part two of The Lost Years of Santa Claus's story of why Santa is described differently all over the place. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this, and uh, without much further ado, here is The Lost Years of Santa Claus. Dovgim was enormously happy, almost irritatingly so, at least to Chris and Dov's other friends. Normally bitter and skeptical, the all-too-cheery gnome was lovestruck and seemed to be absolutely soaring. Chris, for his part, was thrilled for his friend, and though he'd only met Karhana a few times in passing, he thought she was a striking lady gnome. The couple spent most days together over the past few months, meaning Chris rarely saw his friend anymore. Nothing wrong there, Chris had made himself more than a few friends in his years in the realm of non-humans, and he'd spent time with the twin dwarves Monauer and Gaffel, the ever-reclusive but fascinating forest wardens, and of course among the council of the capital of Il Elamor. Since his own unfortunate incident with Floral, Chris had kept his distance from the fairer sex, determined to stick to a life of bachelorhood for the rest of his days. Today, though, Chris had been rather excited as he was to go to dinner with Dovgim and his girlfriend. Dovgim had invited Chris to dinner for a more formal introduction, giving Chris the opportunity to meet and get to know the woman in Dov's life. As with no, most gnomish meals, it was a plethora of small plates without a single main course. 
Shared plates of all manner of breads, vegetables, creams, soups, stews, skewers, fruits, and a few unidentified foods were always on the table when Dovgim, or any other gnome that Chris had encountered in his time, prepared a meal. Even on their travels, Dov preferred to graze over small-sized but numerous options rather than dine on a large portion of a single-choice item. Certainly, family-style eating is what Chris had grown up on, so the somewhat odd eating habits didn't concern him. And, in fact, he'd enjoyed trying and sampling many delicious items, never quite knowing what to expect on the table. All dressed now and clean-shaven, hair held back with a piece of dwarven cord, the strongest flexible fabric Chris had ever found, he slipped on his coat with a hood and kept to keep the rain off him as much as possible and set out across town to his friend's quaint home. Gnomish habits were particular, at least that's what the other races tended to tell gnomes, and their eating habits were of particular strangeness. Bugs, critters, animals, molds, fungi, and almost anything that gnomes found, they would turn into some form of delicacy, their own words. And this turned, out, turned off many not used to the peculiarity. Dovkim had spent weeks acquiring just the right ingredients, pickling, brining, curing, and fermenting each item so that they would be at their peak when Chris was to meet Karhana, the jewel of his life. He knew he was smitten, more so than even dear Chris had been when he met that awful under-elva Falaro in the market of the Four Rivers. That, of course, was different, and Dovgim was genuinely in love, not simply captivated by a pretty face. Karhana was smart, funny, quick-witted, and she was certainly beautiful. How she'd managed to not be married off was a shock to Dovgim, but he needn't press his luck or curse the fates. Instead, he was attempting to capitalize on his good fortune, and he intended to propose to her within the next few months, perhaps sooner if he gathered the courage. Himself far from his immediate family, he and the Lady Fluke Twist had bonded over this as they had both moved to the capital of Il Elamor, far away from their close familial ties. Apparently, Karhana had family in the north and to the east, as well as a little bit to the south, but she'd been captivated by the charm of the city and decided to uproot herself and move as soon as she'd been able. Thus it was that when she'd come of age and had received her sizable inheritance that she struck out on her own and found her way to Il Elamor, the gem capital city and the pride of the elven people. Karhana arrived early, as was her custom, and she tended to cause Dovgim to fall into a tizzy whenever she did so because it was precisely before Dovgim was ever prepared for her arrival. She brought two small dishes with her, one of pickled fish from the lakes of the south and a salad of ramps, radishes, wild greens, and ginger root, a dish her mother had frequently made in her childhood. Though it was nothing Dovgim had ever sampled before meeting her. Chris arrived on time, as was his custom these days. Well, almost on time, his timing having become more flexible since his sudden arrival from the human realm. He brought a bottle of wine, cheap and nondescript, but the gesture was appreciated nonetheless. Over some hors d'oeuvres, the conversation surprisingly focused on Chris and what his plans were. Was he to take a wife back to the human realm? If he did, could he return here, and if so, with her? Karhana's interest in Chris's personal life was a bit of a surprise, but Dovgim seemed not to mind at all, pleased that the two most important people in his life were interacting and had taken an interest in each other. Chris asked broad questions, and Dov opened the wine Chris had brought, which was far too sweet and overly sugary for the trio, though they still drained the bottle, so as to not waste it, obviously. After quite some time, they made their way to the dining table, full of plates and bowls, serving dishes full of all manner of items, genuinely enough food to feed a dozen dwarves, no small feat. Their bellies full from the meal, and their bodies now relaxed, they again retired to the small sitting room for a more discussion and banter. A few hours passed, the rain outside unceasing. Karhana looked anxiously at the window several times and then to the clock on the wall. 
Her silver charm that she wore on her dress gleamed gently in the warm firelight, reflecting just enough illumination to draw a casual glance, but not sparkly enough to attract all eyes like a magnet. I think I should best be heading home, Doc, my dear. The rain does not seem to be letting up anytime soon, and I'd like to be home before the streets run with water. My leggings would never dry if I had to wave through the water to get to my own steps, Karhana said abruptly, breaking the small silence as she stood. Chris stood as well, nodding his head. Yep, I should leave as well. Perhaps your carriage could take me part of the way to my residence? The rain is rather intense and I'd prefer not to soak through if I don't have to, Chris pleaded politely, eyeing the gnomish woman with a half-smile. She hesitated, pondering the situation. I'm not sure that's the best idea, Chris, as much as I'd love to help, she paused again, gathering her thoughts. My boyfriend is the jealous type, and you and I being alone together might drive him crazy, she chuckled and playfully patted Dovkim's arm. Nonsense, interjected Dovkim. Chris is a fine companion, and besides, dropping him off near the city center wouldn't even take a moment out of your way. I trust you completely. Not that there's anything to trust, what with Chris here sworn off of women forever. Dovkim tried to shoulder the still-growing but already broad-shouldered human unsuccessfully. Chris looked at them both, then reached for his coat and threw it on. I don't mind walking, and Karhana, I certainly wouldn't want to impose, so please accept my apology. He said with a low bow. He said his goodbyes, and though Dovgan protested, Chris headed out the door. Karhana followed not a moment later and quickly hopped into her waiting carriage, the driver sliding out of his covered area and into his seat, removing the horse's covering at the same time. They started there on their way, attempting to make haste as the rain was biting and soaking with large, heavy drops pounding unendingly. Chris, having waited, timed his jump perfectly and landed with both feet on the running board, holding fast to the slick, wet door handle. He pulled open the door just a crack and poked his face in, seeing a rather infuriated Karhana inside. Mind if I tag along for just a bit? I promise, I'm no trouble, he said. Oh, well, we both know that's not true. Fine, climb inside. You're getting my dress wet now anyway, the gnome retorted, obviously unhappy with this turn of events. They rode in silence for only a few minutes before Chris signaled the driver to stop with a tap on the wood just behind the driver's seat. Chris hopped out and turned to signal his thanks to Karhana when the light of the moon reflected off a puddle in just the right way. Chris had landed in the puddle with one boot, so the image was obviously muddled and shaking a bit, but he could have sworn that he'd seen the face of Grilla inside the carriage. His mouth agape as he lifted his head to say something, the carriage left in a flash, splashing him with dirty street water and leaving Chris with far more questions and more than a few concerns. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, that is part two of how Santa is described differently all around the world. Join next week, Thanksgiving week, for the exciting conclusion and hopefully get a few more questions answered. As always, I thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys picked up some knowledge. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. And I hope I gave you guys some some good recommendations for uh, a movie and a TV episode and a book for you to read this holiday season. Uh, my name is Jeff. I absolutely love Christmas. Please find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or visit our website. Please subscribe. We always are appreciative of more subscribers. And give us a rating if you would. Um, it takes just a few minutes of your time, but it really means the world to, to me because it helps us uh, helps get more people to the podcast the more ratings that we get. Um, thank you guys so, so much. If you if you want to contact me, you can email lostchristmaspodcast at gmail.com or you can message on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I, I really, really appreciate it. And um, as always, I hope you guys have a merry, merry Christmas and I'll see you next week.
to him, you'll find a wonderful surprise.